Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. Eleusis is a town outside of Athens where the Greeks conducted a secret rite of initiation in honor of the goddess of the earth, Demeter, also her daughter and queen of the underworld, Persephone. The rite may have dated to before the Greek Dark Ages, more than a thousand years BCE, and could have had its roots in a still more ancient agrarian cult, which is to say a cult based in agriculture. Eleusis was known for its special relationship with the spirits of the dead, the town that is, so the town was supposed to be a little spooky. Those spirits of the dead aided in the prosperity of the grains that grew in the fields outside of the town of Eleusis. So it had both an association with the spirits and with grain, tying it back to Demeter. Anyone could become an initiate into the secrets of Eleusis, the mysteries of Eleusis. Anyone, that is, who could speak and understand Greek, because the rite was in Greek, and pay roughly a month's wages for the cost of a sacrificial pig and the services of priests and guides. In February, the time of the flowers, initiates experienced the lesser mystery in Agri, based on the events surrounding Persephone's death. In September, the time of the sowing of winter crops, Masses of pilgrims paraded over a narrow bridge into the sacred town of Eleusis, where they experienced the secret vision of the greater mystery, an encounter that these pilgrims could never describe to anyone under any circumstances for the rest of their lives. Today, I am going to do my best to tell you what it is they saw here on Occult Confessions. My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson. I am your supreme hierophant for these proceedings. We have but one panelist today. It will not surprise you that that panelist has been uh, a frequent panelist for me lately. Savannah Verrett, our sister of the 84th degree. Hello. I spend too much time with Rob now. So. <laughs> <laughs> is there such thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've, I'm just kidding. I have been humbled. <laughs> Uh, we is, have to remind him to stay humble every now and then. It's necessary, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Savannah and I just got done three hours of Strange Ride episodes, is I think what she's referring to, although also a Christmas show. Yes, and uh, uh, so much more. So much more. <laughs> All right, let's pledge it out, and, and then we'll, we'll get into the business today. Go ahead. We, we the, the members, members of the Secret Order of, of Alchemical, Alchemical Actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. Let's open up that order of confessors. Bing, bang, bop. Bing, bang, bop. John R. Drone noise. Andro King, Nick B. Did you say drone noise? Drone noise. Oh. Andro King. Nick B, Connie J, Devin B, Gustin P, John S, Cassie D, and Adam W. These are the newest additions to our illustrious crew of patrons. Uh, and I want to say uh, we have been working very hard. Like I finished my semester and, and I am now in the midst of recording five episodes over the course of a couple of days um so patrons help us keep this going it is time consuming it is also expensive being on the internet and keeping ourselves uh doing all of these things uh so we do need our patrons to, to keep us doing what we do and we do reward our patrons as often as we can with bonus episodes we've got some coming out from uh, uh brie is going to be doing a, a new 
pair of episodes for us and you'll get to hear one on the main channel and one will be exclusive to patrons uh, and strange ride has started to put up a little bit of content as well yeah on the rob Patreon. and i talked about the barbie movie and that was really fun yeah. i enjoyed that barbie loves money more than women <laughs> didn't approve of that name no but that's but that's what i titled it. it without me knowing that but it Surprise. was good no it made me feel a lot differently about the barbie movie so which was fun it was fun i good. love critiquing things yeah we get in we get into the weeds on the strange ride uh okay let's uh but thank you patrons thank you patrons and thank and you all those new patrons that was a lot of names continue to join us yeah i mean we're gonna keep doing these these twofers so if you want to hear the other half you gotta you gotta join the patreon um let's close it up we'll get to reviews next time I, I do have some reviews to mention but we'll do that next time and, and do review us if you have a minute drop us feed us some stars we always appreciate savannah bing bing bop delightful so yes it's just me and savannah because we're going to be doing a lot of uh, scripted business today this is one of those days where i've i've written a lot of uh text for actors to perform um so a, a little bit of me a little bit of savannah and a whole lot of of actors telling you some stories today <laughs> i think because we think we know the story of hades and persephone but we don't know it in in detail i mean we we learned the very rough outline right in middle school or well, something. yeah well, and, and it's also been like taken and told a million different yeah, ways at this point too a lot of liberties right yes. taken with the story uh, you were talking to me about Hades Town, which yes. is about this in part, right? It is. Hades Town is one of the best musicals ever made. I love it there so it much. It was my uh, top listened to album last year. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> Go listen to it. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's basically, it combines the two tales of um, Hades and Persephone and Orpheus and Eurydice together. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really neat. Um, it's like... Orpheus and Eurydice's love kind of helps heal the love of Hades and Persephone because Hades like doesn't like that Persephone has to leave to go like help the world heal periodically <laughs> periodically yeah, on an annual basis yes yeah. and um I without I I don't want to get into too much because I don't want to like talk about Hades Town forever I mean I do but not on this <laughs> I don't want to, because we're trying to talk about something else. But yeah, it's really good. But it does take Hades and Persephone and make them like a very, like, loving couple. Like, it, it isn't the story that, like, Hades kidnapped her or anything like that. In this version, Persephone and Hades mutually fell in love. And then she also was like, yeah, I like being the queen of the underworld, except for when she had to go back. And then Hades got all insecure because he was like, oh, she has to leave me for six months all the year. That sucks. And then she would be like, oh, man, it does kind of suck down here. I do like the sun a little <laughs> bit more than being down here. And that kind of caused a wedge between them. Yeah. I mean, there's sort of an open endedness. I mean, Persephone is understood. She, like she is defined by the fact that she is the queen of the underworld. Mm -hmm. And yet the myth tells a story of a woman who does not want to be dragged down into hell. Y yes. <laughs> but then they also like, there's different tellings of the myth too, where they kind of make Persephone out to be this badass bitch. Who's like, yeah, I can love being the queen of the underworld. I, I mean, we don't know. I mean, the myth doesn't tell us, right? There's, yeah, there's room true. for interpretation, but we, we have to assume that she embraces the role as a, she oh, is yeah. a goddess, right? I She's the daughter really of Zeus. I really like the interpretation of making her this super 
feminist like icon being like yeah i like my gothic husband and i like living <laughs> in hell <laughs> well, and you know the the video game hades which we talked about on our last episode does similar things orpheus and eurydice are major characters yeah. in that game mm-hmm. and npcs right there, yes. there's only a handful of npcs and they are two of them yes and it, there is this back and forth persephone i mean i don't want to spoil the game for you but she spends some time above and some time below in the course of the game as you play it through so yeah, I guess it, that's all those tensions. I mean, for some reason, maybe the other thing, the story is apparently very relevant right now. Video games are, Hades is a relatively new game. Hades Town is a relatively new musical. Yeah. Hades Town 2 does this thing where it kind of like brings in climate change and like capitalism and all this like weird stuff. Not weird, but like not what you'd expect in like a Greek myth retelling, but it's really interesting. Climate change, I can get behind because the story is so much about the earth and yes. the cycles of nature and all that sort of yeah. thing. I mean, that's well, at the core so of it. So it's sort of like how it gets into the climate change and the capitalism of it is um, that like when Persephone's away, Hades like turns Hades town into this like industrial complex where it's like <laughs> making like... She's sticky- always going to come back though. <laughs> well, but he's always worried that she won't. And <laughs> because they don't have the whole pomegranate thing where she has to come back or whatever. Like oh, he, they don't. He, no, they don't they were, ever mention a that's pomegranate. That's a key part of it. Well, not in Hades not town. Not in the musical. No, okay. they didn't mention... At least they, they don't They found think- that inconvenient. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the core. I mean, in so we were talking about also whether Persephone was raped. So I guess... Um, trigger warning we're going to talk about rape for a hot second here but it's greek mythology so you can should expect it but the rape i think is often an interpretation of what happens with that pomegranate seed does he force her to eat it or not and we'll get into that a little bit today yeah they don't mention a pomegranate at all i don't think yeah yeah but the yeah so whenever persephone is up above he's making these terrible things and when she goes back the world above becomes like a horrible terrible like winter desolate place and then she's trapped in this a capitalism hellscape and she fucking hates it (laughs) (laughs) and he like he convinces people from the top world to come down and like work in his factories and that's what he does to eurydice he's like it's warm and you'll have food in hadestown so she like actively is like okay i will die and leave this place because i can't stand being cold and hungry anymore and orpheus was too busy working on a song to notice that she was like i'm leaving And then once he realizes she's gone, then he goes down in the hell and he kind of helps the workers have like a revolution. <laughs> and then real Orpheus and, does. Yeah, uh, Orpheus. Always getting up to hijinks that Orpheus. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's feminism to it too, which we'll get into because the myth, I think at its core, parallels the cycles of a woman's life and pregnancy with the cycles of the earth. Hmm. So I think this is all fair. I think this is all a fair reading of the myth yeah. in, for modern interpreters. I feel like the Hades. I feel like Hades Town is relatively feminist because I, I really like the character Eurydice. Oh, and Persephone. Persephone has a whole song where she's like, "I'm the fucking queen of the underworld." Does <laughs> like, Demeter get to sing at all? No, Demeter is vaguely mentioned. They oh don't no, men- they don't mention her name, but they call her Mother Nature and yes. stuff. Yeah, she doesn't get a character. She's not a, she doesn't get an actor assigned to her. No. Oh, that gives me pain. Is the characters are Hades, Persephone, Orpheus, Eurydice, Hermes, and then the Fates. Oh, Hermes always. Hermes is a big character in uh, the Hades video game as well, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. but Hades or Hermes is like he's like the narrator of the musical. Yeah. Um, and then the Fates show up and they're always singing in the back of your ear or whatever. Um, but those are the only characters that are actually named, and the rest of the people are um, chorus. 
let's get into this. The Eleusinian mysteries are based in large part on the story of Demeter, Persephone, and Hades, which was described in detail in a Homeric hymn. So this I would say is probably the canon, at least for the Eleusinian mysteries, but I think broadly speaking, the Homeric hymn tells us as much as we can know about what happened and how the Greeks understood it, in the myth that is. The hymn is familiar in outline, but as I mentioned, there are many details that casual students of mythology might miss or not remember about Persephone's abduction and origin story for our four seasons. Persephone was gathering flowers with the daughters of the ocean when she happened to pick some Narcissus or Narcissus, Narcissus, the Narcissus flower. Okay. Um, Narcissus or Narcissus are associated with the myth of a beautiful Greek man by the same name who wasted away staring at his own reflection. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering why that name sounded familiar. Echo is also in this myth. Echo lusts after Narcissus, but Narcissus doesn't give her the time of day, so she also wastes away and becomes an echo of Yikes. herself. Um, but anyway, when you pick a Narcissus, it opens up the portal and into hell. What? Yeah. So, every time? <laughs> I don't know about every time, but this time anyway. No. Uh, um, I'm not sure if there's more depth to the symbolism as far as Narcissus is concerned mm-hmm. than the fact that Persephone was a beautiful maiden and beauty in both cases invites destruction. Her beauty invites the interest of Hades who, you know, rises in, from hell to <laughs> abduct her. Narcissi bridged the world above and the world below as well. Apparently the flowers grew in both places. Oh. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, another part of the lore. Hades, son of Kronos, god of the underworld, emerged to abduct Persephone. Aha! I am Hades. I have come to abduct you through this portal into hell that you have opened up by picking that flower. You'd think there'd be more lore around these flowers if there was even the remotest possibility they could rise up the god of the underworld to kidnap you. This is it! What is it? Th- this is the lore! You're the lore. Right. Fine. It sucks, but that's fine, I guess. Help, help, mother, father, great Zeus, don't let him take me. (laughs) So she does cry out for help. That's a fairly accepted part of the tale, is that as she is abducted by Hades, she's not like, okay, cool, let's go to hell. She cries out for assistance. I've, I've done some reading about the original, not the original myth, but... Uh, after falling in love with the musical Hades Town, I wanted to see how much it followed the actual tale because mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. And I read somewhere that it said that s- there are some tellings of the original tale where she just kind of found a portal to hell and wandered in herself. <laughs> and her mother just got upset later. Yeah, well, because her mom was like, where's my daughter? And then her just daughter eventually. was like, I <laughs> want to stay here. And Demeter was like, no, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> But the immortals did not hear Persephone, nor did any of the immortal humans, as Hades drug her into his golden chariot and hauled her back down into the underworld. None that is except for two otherworldly beings. Hecate, who wears the delicate veil, heard Persephone in her cave, and Helios, the titan personification of the sun and son of Hyperion, who sees all that happens in daylight. Who wears the delicate veil? What does that mean? Hecate? Well, I mean, we're, Hecate we'll get into, but she's the goddess of witchcraft for our occult listeners. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Um, in any case, Zeus would not have intervened because he had arranged for Hades to take Persephone away. Oh, I do remember this part and being <laughs> oh, like, what okay. the hell? Yeah. yeah, apparently Zeus and Persephone had like beef or something. Well, like he... he's daddy. Is he daddy in 
the musical? They don't ever mention Zeus. They yeah. don't ever mention any of the other gods than Hades and Persephone. Zeus so. and Demeter are mom and dad to Persephone. They're also brother and sister. Oh. Yeah. And then he's also Hades' brother, right? Mm-hmm. Hades is his brother. So hmm. Persephone is his niece. Hmm. Anyhow. This is Creek, though. I mean, Nikki got upset about it during the Cult of Dionysus episode a little bit. She just made poked fun at it. But yeah. what can you do? There's a lot of incest in Greek mythology. It's how it is. <laughs> yep. it, uh, it may come as a surprise to some listeners that Hecate, a popular figure, as I mentioned, with neo-pagans and occultists of various stripes, figures prominently in the story and is significant to some of its more esoteric interpretations. It's good to make note of her presence early in the tale. Demeter eventually also hears the cries of her daughter, and she rends her veil and throws on a black cloak, roaming the earth in search of her daughter. She wanders for nine days, and then on the tenth, she is greeted by Hecate, holding a flame in her hand. I have come to you because I heard a cry, but I did not see with my own eyes who took her. Here is all I know. Demeter did not respond to Hecate, but instantly sped off from Hecate to find Helios. Hey! Where are you going? Okay. Well, what if I had something else to tell you? I don't, and I guess I already said that. In fact, that was the last thing I said. So I get why you left, but you didn't say goodbye, which doesn't make much difference now since you've been gone for like a minute and I'm just pretty much talking to myself. Yeah, I'm just playing around here. <laughs> uh, he'll... I gotta have some fun. Helios, who sees all that passes under the sun, because he is the sun, placed all of the blame for Persephone's abduction on Zeus, who had given his brother Hades permission to take his daughter by Demeter. So that's fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. And then she's like, God damn it, Zeus, that's our daughter. (laughs) Husband, brother. They're not really husband and wife because it's Hera. But anyway, the earth goddess determined to keep away from the assembly of the gods and went in disguise to live among humans. Because, yeah, she's pissed. There, she was discovered near the virgin's well outside of Eleusis by the daughters of Celius, son of Eleusinus, namely, the daughters, that is, Calidice, Clysidice, Demo, and Calithoe. The girls invited Demeter into the walls of the city. Wait, I'm confused. So instead of, like, raising hell to go get Persephone, she is just, like, being a god? Well, she would have to go into the underworld, which I think is antithetical to the mother of life. That's fair. I don't know if that's possible. So um, that being the case, she says, I'm just not going to go back and hang out with the gods. Oh, okay. She's going to deprive them of the pleasure of her company. I gotcha. She's going to live among mortals. (laughs) And be sad. (laughs) Why do you stay outside instead of approaching the city? We are the princesses of Eleusis, and we welcome you inside with us, where you will be greeted by women, old and young, who will welcome you as we do. Also, maybe some dudes. Who are you, stranger? I am not the Earth Goddess, Demeter. Nobody said you were. I am Doss. I have come from Crete on the broad back of the sea where I was abducted by pirates, but got free of them in the dark of the night while the slaves aboard were being served their repast. I could not allow them to sell me and have pleasure at my price. 
Back at the girl's home, their mother, Metanira, offered Demeter, disguised as Das, a cup of red wine, but Demeter refused it, asking instead for a cup of barley and water to drink mixed with the tender leaves of glechon, a kind of mint. Could you imagine inviting someone into your house and offering them a glass of wine and they're like, no, 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 I want this water mixed with this and that and this and that. (laughs) You are a very specific nurse. So, uh, uh, but this is significant ultimately to the mystery, but yes, it's odd behavior. Metanira, but she's a goddess after all, so she probably expects to get exactly what she wants. Did they know that she was a goddess? No, 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 no. Oh, no. She's okay. disguised well, that's as an the old problem lady. I guess I'm getting at. Metanira then asked her to be nurse to her newborn baby. Demeter agreed, promising to protect the babe from the witch's, from witch's roots and give him par- powerful herbs and talismans to ward off possession, which is neat. Yes, they don't cover possession in our ancient Greek birthing classes. That's a big help. The girls all got possessed at least twice as babies, and the exorcism bills cost us an arm and a leg. They just trusted this random lady who was very demanding in her drink choices to watch their baby. I think that's what made her more trustworthy. If she <laughs> this had, lady knows what she wants. Yeah, she's not here to steal babies. She's here for specific beverages. What Metanira didn't count on was that Demeter would attempt to burn away her child's mortal spirit and render him immortal by secretly placing him in the fire each night. (laughs) You didn't know about this part. This is what happens when you trust a random lady to watch your baby. She will stick your baby in the fireplace (laughs) um, while the family is sleeping. One night, Metanira walked in on Demeter performing this ritual, and she wailed in anguish because her baby was in a fire. <laughs> so so De- Demeter pulled him out of the flame and tossed the baby boy on the ground. <laughs> she then threw the baby on the ground? She tossed him across the gr- floor, across the room. I would have made this son ageless for all of time, and I would have granted him undying honor, but now he can never escape the demons that bring his death. You are a foolish woman. That's fair, I guess, but my baby was on fire! That's a lot to process. Yet, he has rested on my lap and slept in my arms, and for that, he will always have undying honor. Alright, so he should be okay from getting thrown across the room then? Have all your people build me a temple, and I myself shall institute my rites so that you may perform them, and so assuage my wrath. Mother. Oh, Calidice, my daughter. I didn't see you there. The the baby's on the floor. I know. I've had a very weird night. Are you going to pick it up? You do it. I'm going back to bed. This sounds like The Sims. (laughs) After, After leaving... Celius's house, the king of, of Eleusinus, Eleusinus, Elu, where, where am I talking about? I don't even know. <laughs> We're talking of, about babies the being The king of Eleusis, fire. there we go. After leaving the king's house, Demeter made a deadly year for humankind, withering the soil and keeping the seeds hidden in the ground. Zeus sent Iris to get Demeter to come back to Olympus, but Demeter sent Iris packing. She's like a female messenger goddess, also associated, of course, with flowers. Um, sent Iris packing uh, until she could see her daughter Persephone with her own eyes. So, Zeus, undeterred, sent Hermes to Hades to ask him to send Persephone back to the surface before life was starved out of existence. 
can't do anything himself. Yeah. <laughs> he always sends his sends Hermes. Well, Zeus, I don't know if Zeus Zeus can go down either. Like Hades, I feel like is sort of stuck in the underworld. We don't hear about Hades coming out of the underworld or Zeus going down. No, yeah. You have your own domains. Poseidon maybe gets a little like into but even Poseidon sort of like hangs in the ocean. Hmm. The brothers, I think, have those are their domains and that's where they remain. So you okay. gotta send Hermes, or Iris anyway. Okay. So it's an awkward conversation with your brother anyway, so better hey, to send. Hey, you know my daughter that I let you <laughs> I kidnap? Yes. Like, can I have her back? Yeah, I was just, oops. <laughs> Turns out all of life is going my, to cease to be. Our, our sister slash my wife, <laughs> I, her, my baby mother, doesn't want, wants her back. Yeah. Pretty pissed. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm cool with it. But first, Persephone, before you leave, you just got to try one of these pomegranate seeds. They're really super awesome as far as pomegranate seeds go. Dead pomegranate seeds are the best pomegranate seeds by far. Um, isn't there a whole rule here where if you eat a fruit, you get stuck here forever, or I don't know, for at least like half a- Shut up and eat the seed already! Did you eat the pomegranate in the depths of the underworld? I didn't really have much of a choice about it. He kind of shoved it in my mouth. Oh, daughter. Then you must live with Hades a third of the part of the seasons of the year and the rest of the time with me. That sounds all right, I guess. Ho! It is I, Hecate. Hecate! It is you! It is! Come to me, Persephone, that I might caress you. I could use some caressing. We shall both caress you, daughter. And I shall be your servant and companion from this moment on. Yes, so the seed is has been consumed. Because he, he makes her eat it, so she has to come back. Well, even the myth, the hymn, is unclear about that. It, it, it suggests that Haiti gets her to eat the seed, but then when she actually emerges and talks to her mother, she says, I was forced. So is she lying to mom to make herself seem better, or was she forced to take the seed? Hmm. See what I'm saying? Okay. Interesting. Rhea, mother of Demeter and Zeus, came to Demeter and persuaded her to allow the earth, so grandma, to bear fruit again, since her daughter could be with her for two-thirds of the year. Wait, okay, but where does the idea come from that, like, she can't, she has to go back? Because she eats the fruit, right? Or because she eats the yes, pomegranate seed. because seeds. she eats the pomegranate seed, she has a, now a leg in Hades. She can never fully... N- yes. She okay. has to always return gotcha. because of that. But in order for life not to be starved out of existence, there's also... Demeter wants her daughter back. Yes. And yes. Demeter in the hymn gets the lion's share of the time. She gets two-thirds of the year. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Where was we? Sorry. It just, like... We didn't really talk about the seed thing. No, it's, it's all, all good. The thing. It's all good. Demeter agreed and went to Celius and his sons, Triptolemus, Diocles, and Eumolpus in Eleusis, where she had passed her time in misery waiting for Persephone to teach them her rites. Whoever among men who walk the earth is blessed, but whoever is uninitiated and has not received his share of the rite, he will not have the same lot as the others. Once he is dead and dwells in the mold where the sun goes down. Then she went up to Olympus to dwell with Zeus and the other immortals once more. Credit to Danny Staples for the translation of the hymn that informed our dramatization here. Danny did that back in 1978, so if you're still out there, Danny, 
Thanks. I think it's common to overlook the story of Demeter and Persephone for being a fairly straightforward explanation for the cycle of the seasons, but looking at the details of the hymn, there's a lot of complexity around the core events of Persephone, Persephone's abduction and return to her mother. First, there's the curious tale of the baby. Yeah, that seems to just come out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so Metanira's son is made to suffer as a result of his mother's reaction to his being placed inside the flame. While Metanira's reaction is perfectly normal, this event, I think, has suggested, <laughs> outside of a mythological context, my baby's in a fire. <laughs> that is not kosher. The fact that we're interpreting a myth means there are hidden messages in these events which should not be taken at their surface meaning. I've The internet, and I, of course, always Google around, the internet has versions of the myth where they're like, and the lesson is to always be kind to strangers. But no... <laughs> That's but absurd. then they might put your baby in a fire. Right. This is not about being kind to strangers and allowing them to set your baby on fire. Internet. So <laughs> this is how I interpret the myth. And it is just me. But I, I, I do this a lot. I love interpreting myths. Uh, so I think I'm not bad at it. <laughs> the mother must allow her child to experience hardship and suffering in order to grow and become resilient. Even if a baby must be exposed to pathogens within reason uh, in order to build immunity to disease, you see? Okay. Crawling, walking, eating, sleeping, and the act of learning itself all come with frustrations and injuries. As the holy goddess of nature, Demeter suggests the role nature itself must play in raising a child. The mother cannot shield the child entirely from the exigencies of existence. Okay. So, yeah, that's a, I think that's a, is that not like a connected message? No, yeah, and I, I think it's a good message. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, putting a baby in fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's extreme, but that's it's mythology, extreme, right? Yes. It, I don't know if you've ever seen the picture. The reason I said it's like The Sims is, well, Sims get caught on fire all the time in The Sims, <laughs> but uh, there's a really classic picture of a Sim mom playing on the computer and then the baby's laying on the ground, like, on fire next <laughs> to her. That's what I'm picturing Demeter doing. <laughs> I am not suggesting that the mothers of, uh, of the world, our, our confessor mothers out there, let their babies catch on fire. But I think that mothers in particular have a, a, like a, this gut reaction to overprotect their mm -hmm. children, especially the very tiny, fragile baby. And, and yeah. there's very good reason for that, especially in the first several months. But you have to, you have to get over that because yeah. your kid's got to go out in the world. Father, some fathers, too. I don't want to gender this. Mom and dad can get up to a little overprotecting. Mm-hmm. Then there's the recurrence of Hecate. Hecate completes the triad begun by mother and daughter. So the story features Demeter and Persephone, and then there's the third female component, and that is Hecate, sometimes represented herself as triple-formed or triple-bodied, presiding over all of the phases of a woman's life, maiden, mother, and nurse. Nurse is sometimes referred to as crone, but I find that kind of... <laughs> difficult term so to swallow. So it just means old? An older one, yes. Unmarried, the virgin woman, the woman as mother, the woman as grandmother mm. is another way to view it. Okay. But crone yeah. does sound mean. Yeah, crone is when tough. I, when you hear yeah. the word crone, I think of witch. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, But that's the witches like that. Oh. Yeah, so they like the crone. They're all crony. <laughs> sure. All croned up. But, um, so... Anyhow, Hecate embodies all three of these. So her presence is significant, I think, 
and speaks to the fact that the myth is not just talking about the seasons anymore or even motherhood. It's now talking about femalehood, femininity, the life cycles of a woman. The movement between these roles is significant to the tale. Demeter is both mother and nurse. She's first Persephone's mother, and then when Persephone becomes abducted, she moves into the grandmother role with Metanira. Oh, okay. But she's going to, of course, with Persephone as well, who now has a husband. Do you see? Yes. Persephone is both maiden and her marriage to Hades points toward her impending motherhood. In fact, the myth, the entire myth of the seed seems to suggest motherhood and i can dig into this a little further in a moment okay but she does have a seed either forced on her or she takes the seed okay right uh-huh. do i do i need to no okay <laughs> hecate is also the chthonic or death aspect of these roles so the word chthonic refers to death gods or gods of the underworld oh. persephone and hades are two of these and Hecate is another one of these, a variety of Chthonic gods in the Greek pantheon. Um, marriage is the death of maidenhood. Motherhood is another substantial change in identity, suggesting a kind of death. And even the nurse is a figure who theoretically nurses the child of another because her own child has died, if we're talking about a breastfeeding nurse and not a grandmother nurse. So in ancient culture, if you lost a child, you could sell your services because you would still be producing breast milk I gotcha. to a rich woman to breastfeed her child. Okay. But death is then implicit in all of this. And certainly in the ancient world, death is even implicit in pregnancy and childbearing mm-hmm. because childbearing is can be dangerous. Yeah. I'm not going to say it is dangerous. By all means, have children, but it can be dangerous. Hecate is a reminder of the dangers, as I'm saying, of birthing and infancy, also a theme of the story of Demeter and Metanira. So infancy is another thing where death lingers around the child because children are quite vulnerable in the first, the fourth trimester, like their first three months on earth. They're, easy, they're susceptible to a lot of disease and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of death just lingering around. So Hecate is sort of like embodying that. Hecate's presence reveals how much this tale speaks to the meaning and role of the divine feminine. As I'm saying, the cycles of nature align with the cycles of a woman's life and also the cycle of conception and birth. In the Homeric hymn, Persephone spends two-thirds of the year with her mother, which is about eight months. Not too far off from the duration of how long it takes to gestate a child, a human pregnancy. mm -hmm. Uh, And Demeter is gone for nine days. Do you see the number nine? Uh Uh-huh. And then on the 10th day, she finally arrives in Eleusis. So there's these allusions to pregnancy, and then there's the literal uh, child of Metanira. And then there's Hades and his seed. So perhaps the three months with Hades, or four months, I should say, is an ancient term for conception, because she's with Hades for four months, he gives her the seed, and then she rises up to the surface to basically have her pregnancy with her mother yeah because it that? like it grows the i mean seed, like it, yes. the, the world starts to grow again and stuff right, yeah. yeah so there's a direct overlap yeah. between the woman growing the child inside of herself and the earth growing during the season of, of spring and summer interesting okay and then the child is born and we get to the harvest in the winter season and then go to hell then we go to hell in any <laughs> case the human woman in this story is a microcosm for nature Finally, the myth establishes the origins for the ancient mysteries of Eleusis, and that's why we're really here. 
The lesser mysteries involved sacrificing a piglet and a purifying bath in the river Elisos, which probably would have been pretty cold since it was roughly February. These lesser mysteries were not especially mysterious. The mystery was in the greater mysteries. Uh, they had the deep secret in the hidden rooms of the sanctuary. So the myth sets up the origins for the seasons. It sets up this, um, you know, sort of deep, deeper commentary about a woman's life. And then it also sets up the basis for the Eleusinian mysteries. It does all three things. So let's get into this greater mystery here. Pilgrims began with a parade across a bridge that was intentionally too narrow for vehicles to cross. They carried with them sealed baskets full of secret objects. Some scholars speculate that they were phalluses, or again, images of penises, uh, or sculptures or something. Uh, which, okay. Yeah, they would, yeah, so they just carried a basket of penises across the bridge, theoretically. Could have been anything. We don't know. They were secret. We don't know what was in the basket. It was sealed. I'm so confused. It's a basket of penises. What's oh, confusing I, about this? You're right. You're right. So I'm just a sheltered person. Yes, you, know? you don't. You don't. You've never carried a basket of penises <laughs> no, across the, the the Bay Bridge. No, I certainly wouldn't want to walk across the yes. Bay Bridge. And, that, and it ain't the Bay Bridge. It, this is a, a like I said, a bridge a that you're, bridge. you're not meant to be able to cross with a horse or anything. Uh, the golden chariots of Hades cannot make their way across this bridge. Uh, as they walked, they would chant uh, later ab about their secret objects in the sanctuary, and as they walked, they would call out to Iacos, a deity often associated with Dionysus, or Bacchus. You can hear the similarity between the name Iacos and Bacchus. It's literally mm. one letter different. Yeah. Um, potential incarnation of Dionysus, um, sometimes thought of as Persephone's son, Dionysus Zagreus. Oh, yeah. I didn't know Zagreus was like based off an actual thing. I just thought they made him up for no, the video Zagreus game. No, Zagreus is for real, yeah. So Zagreus is a mysterious god because we're not sure who exactly Zagreus is. The cult of Dionysus believed that Zagreus was an incarnation of Dionysus when uh, Persephone had sex with Zeus, who was her dad. Ew. Yeah. Um, but Zagreus can also be described as the son of Hades and Persephone, which in the video game anyway is, is, is how he's yes. described because that's easier to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> and it was cool. He looked cool. Yeah. Dionysus out. was cool in that game. He was yeah. always the god I would I would take his boons. And he was very friendly, I thought. Yes, the character he was. it made sense that there was a consonance between them. Yeah. And they're also both the sons of the brothers in some way. Dionysus son of Zeus and they're, oh, co they're okay. cousins. I mean they're all related, right? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> The job of Iacos is to help the pilgrims in summoning Persephone back from the realm of the dead to live among them. Beside the virgin's well, where Demeter mourned the loss of her daughter, the pilgrims danced and chanted into the night. Afterward, they continued on through the gates of Eleusis into the inner sanctum. Shall we go to the inner sanctum? Sure. Where? Where yeah, is it's this? The, it's the inner. It's Eleusis. So we cross the bridge, go to the well, do a dance, dance through the night, and then we're led into the inner sanctum. Where is Eleusis? Eleusis is outside of Athens. Oh, okay. You never been there? No. <laughs> I can't say that. The experience at the center of the greater mystery of Eleusis was characterized by initiates as one of mystical vision. Attendees believed they witnessed the phantasm or spirit of Persephone herself, who emerged at the height of the ritual bearing her newborn son. So everybody in the room said, would say afterwards, well, they, they weren't allowed to talk about it, but everyone saw the same thing. And scholars believe that the vision they saw was a vision of Persephone 
with her son. So somebody did talk. <laughs> yes, somebody somebody spilled the beans. That's wrong. It's like Fight Club, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's huge. Like thousands of people, so I guess it would be harder to keep the secret. It would be. Given the Greeks' film familiarity with scripted drama, uh, they have been traditionally credited with introducing it to Western civilization. It's unlikely that this phantasm of Persephone, Persephone was just an actor playing Persephone. This was a real vision, a real ecstatic revelation in the sense of conjuring into being the actual presence of the divine. But, as I tell my students, ecstatic rituals and their transformative revelations are uncertain and cannot be relied upon to deliver on cue. You can't just have a mystical vision, like, in ten minutes. No. I'm going to have my vision later, <laughs> before dinner. Yep. Uh, so... Preachers, for example, who rely on divine inspiration and mediums who enter states of altered consciousness to speak to the dead cannot be sure when or if they will achieve that inspiration in the moment and give performances of different lengths or sometimes no performance at all. Just not feeling it today. Sorry, guys. What's strange about this particular ritual is that it happened like clockwork at the same time every year during the gathering of the pilgrims in the sanctuary mm. in September. Yeah. Well, I also think it's interesting. I didn't realize that that was a part of the myth as well, that Persephone had to be um, summoned out of Hades. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Well, kind of. I mean, she emerges. Uh-huh. But they're summoning her, right? They're present for her emergence. Oh. Yeah. The scholars R. Gordon Wasson, Carl A.P. Ruck, and Albert Hoffman suggested back in 1978 that this was likely the product of participants taking some kind of hallucinogen, specifically ergot. So how did everybody have a vision at once? They all got high. Ergot uh, is... Yeah, that makes sense. Makes it, it's logical. <laughs> ergot is a tiny fruiting, often purple fungus that can grow on grains and contains lysergic acid and ergotamine, the precursors to lysergic acid diethylamide, or LSD. Oh. Yeah. That's intense hallucinogen. Ancient LSD. Yeah. Whoa. To make the case for hallucinogenic grain, the authors point to the moment in the story when Demeter refuses the wine offered to her by Metanira oh. and instead asks for a potion made of <laughs> barley and mint. She asked them for LSD? <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then put their baby in a fire? <laughs> Can you imagine? I, would no. you like some wine? <laughs> no, I want... Would you LSD? LSD? <laughs> uh, I, I, I do. Um, also, <laughs> would you like to care for my baby? Yeah. Got you. You are welcome to my baby. Um, to make the case for... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, wine, as we mentioned in our last episode on the cult of Dionysus, could be hallucinogenic, but Demeter is clear in the Homeric hymn that she would rather drink the barley water. Wine is hallucinogenic? It can be, because the alcoholic content was fairly low. It was only 14%. So how did people get trashed on wine? Part of the argument is that Oh, they, they could like... have mixed hallucinogens oh. into it. Triptolemus, son of Celius, who was taught the mysteries, if uh, the who who was taught the mysteries, is often referred to as the first Greek to cultivate barley. He was also the first priest of the Eleusinian mysteries, yet again linking the rite to ergot, albeit through grain, which makes good sense given the central role of Demeter in the myth informing the rite. In other words, all these signs pointing to hallucinogenic grains might just be pointing to regular old grains. <laughs> We can't be sure <laughs> that they're grains that get you high. But that wouldn't account for the visions of Persephone experienced by the group. That's the thing. Yeah. Like how do they have these visions? But also, even if everyone in the room was high, that doesn't mean that they're all going to have the same vision. I would put to you that if you are properly prompted, that that could be the case. I'm, yeah, you're right. 
I mean, I think about near-death experiences, how people generally experience their conception of religion in during a near-death experience and it varies from place to place Mm -hmm. there are commonalities like the tunnel and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. but there are also elements of your own culture that inform what you see that's true so if we coach you enough okay possibly inside the temple initiates would have sat in great a great crowd surrounded by a forest of columns facing the great throne of the priest the priest derived from eumolpus and kiriki's families so only two families uh, produced the priests of this, the people who work, the priestesses and priests, conveyed the grains into chalices, which he gave to the priestesses who danced through the halls with them, distributing the potion to the initiates. The place where he performed the rite, the priest that is, was likely atop the site of the old temple dating back to the earliest origins of the ritual in Mycenaean times. The pilgrims chanted that they had received the potion once they had received the potion. There was music and singing, perfumes filled the air, we're guessing, of course, because this was a secret. And as the music reached its climax, the doors of the inner chamber were flung open. Outstepped Persephone returned from Hades, carrying her infant son. It sounds like a fun party, honestly. Right? But who was Persephone's son? Dionysus Zagreus, while a child of Persephone, doesn't make much sense in this context, since Dionysus Asiakos leads the initiates to the right and calls on his mother to emerge. He couldn't then emerge with her as an infant. <laughs> That's some weird time travel shit right there. Oh, I don't know. The, nothing makes sense with the Greek god, so I, I would buy it. Hold that thought. He is sometimes called Brimos, but also Plutos, the personification of wealth. Plutus is pictured inside a cornucopia that Persephone is handing to her mother, Demeter, in one uh, situation, one artistic uh, setup. In this context, a kind of plenty is guaranteed to the initiates now that they have witnessed the secret. Although, going back to Savannah's point, maybe Dionysus Zagreus or Iacos himself is the child, <laughs> symbolizing the perfect circle of death and rebirth. This is oh. agrarian, right? Mm-hmm. Dionysus, after all, is an, also an agricultural god like Demeter. He is the god of the grapevine, which dies back in the winter and grows and fruits again in spring and summer. Mm-hmm. So maybe Dionysus is dying back and being born again. Yeah. It's September. Okay. The entire rite was considered a kind of spiritual cleansing that prepared the initiate for their eventual entry into the underworld, although pilgrims experienced the ritual at all stages of life. Heracles, for example, uh, the famous Hercules, Mm. was assigned ten labors after Hera struck him with a madness that caused him to kill his wife and children. Heracles, Heracles prayed to Apollo for guidance, and Apollo told him to serve Eurystheus, <laughs> the king of Mycenae. Eurystheus, with confidence. <laughs> he was assigned ten tasks, including the cleaning of the Aegean stables and slaying the Hydra, but the king determined that two of those tasks weren't done right. Oh. We're not sure which two it was. The stables may have been one of them since he was paid for his labor, but also the Hydra since Heracles enlisted the help of Aeolus and so did not complete the task alone. There's some speculation. In any case, the king did assign him two more jobs, the last of which was to retrieve Cerberus from the gates of hell and bring him up to the surface. The king Why? Just because the king was like, I love, I'd like to have a dog like that. I, the king wanted a dog. <sighs> A three-headed dog? Why not? That's Hades' dog. He's the king. That's a... He's stealing from the god of the underworld? It's not stealing. I'll tell you what happened. So, (laughs) (laughs) the king uh, asks for the dog to be brought back... Uh, Oh, sorry. Um, So he brings the dog up to the surface. uh, But in order to safely pass in and out of Hades, Heracles needs to be ritually purified by performing the rites of Eleusis. 
Oh. So that's my point here is that the Heracles myth shows that Eleusis was a rite of purification that had something to do with your passage into the underworld. Oh. And because he did the rites of Eleusis, he was able to speak to Hades and Persephone directly and obtain permission from them to bring Cerberus back up to the surface. And Hades said, yeah, fine, you can take the dog. And as soon as the king saw the dog, he was like, bring that dog back down to Hades. So Hades was like, yeah, you can borrow my dog. There's, this guy is not going to keep my dog. Because the dog is terrifying. It's so weird. Yeah. But that's that's what happened. That is the myth. I liked petting him in Sir, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I like that, like, he's one of the final bosses, and all you have to do is, like, give him food, and he yes. moves out of your way. He's good to go. So cute. Although that last set of rooms can be brutal. Oh, they, oh, yep. Okay, uh, let's bring it on home. The argument for hallucinogens at Eleusis isn't a case for the use of hallucinogens recreationally. Here's Rob's take. Greek pilgrims experienced ergot if the hallucinogen, hallucinogen was ergot once in their lifetimes at the greater mystery. They weren't microdosing ergot. <laughs> and there was substantial preparation for the journey into the experience, which, as Savannah and I mentioned, explains how so many people could have had the exact same vision. The use of hallucinogens also isn't an argument against the existence of these gods. Insofar as Persephone dwelled deep in the subconscious of the believer, the drug helped her to emerge under highly controlled circumstances. This revelation was profound and reportedly changed participants' outlook on life, bringing them close to their spirituality. Hmm. In this way, the drug was not manufacturing a group hallucination so much as opening a capacity for spiritual awareness in the believer, a capacity they always had but never fully accessed. Eleusis and the figure of Persephone reveal the deeply interconnected nature of life and death, and how the complex spiritual and psychological depths of the mystery of being can be revealed in the life cycle of a single strand of wheat. Final thoughts. This is really... I had no idea that this was a thing at all. You said that they only did it once in their lifetimes? Yeah, I think the Ancient Mysteries, I think this series that I'm doing is mostly news to our listeners, and you guys can write in and tell me otherwise. But uh, I think this is the most famous of the Ancient Mysteries, uh, but most people don't know a whole lot about the Ancient no, Mysteries. I don't think I've ever even heard of that until you started <laughs> this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Cult of Dionysus um, and this, the, the Earth Goddess mystery, the mystery of Demeter and Persephone, really the mystery of Persephone, um, these were two of the big Greek ones. There were some others, but these were the, the major ones. Then there's the mystery cult of Isis in Egypt. Mm. Um, and we're going to talk about the mystery cult of Isis. We're going to talk about the mystery cult of the Druids. And the Gnostics were a kind of ancient mystery cult as well. Um, and we're also going to do the Agoris in India. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of moving around from, from different parts of the world. But I ju- yeah, I, I do think ancient i think ancient history in general is something that people don't tend to know mm-hmm. a whole lot about like our eyes glaze over a little bit in world civilization mm-hmm. when we're being lectured at about <laughs> the greeks and their freaking bronze and all that shit like i don't even know that how many people do you think were at these things it sounds like it would be a lot of people but you're saying it was only like these people only experienced these things once in their lifetime yeah you went one time but you were cram- I think I think you were still crammed in. I mean, a lot of people. Okay, but they would find new people to go every year. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There would always be pilgrims coming for this. Oh, it, it was like a. It's sort of like the Mecca, the journey to Mecca. Oh, okay. It's this once in a lifetime thing. Like, gotcha. Some of the Catholic pilgrimages people would do, like you do it once. Okay, um, I gotcha. And, but still, because everybody wants to do it, a lot of people are there every year. I, 
I don't I really don't know, but I would say there were hundreds, if not thousand of people gathered for it. Whoa. It sounds kind of cool. I'd like to see. <laughs> Would have been I, neat. That, that's not my scene. I don't party, but that sounds really <laughs> neat. <laughs> yeah, they did. They danced all night into the night the night before, and then they went and took took their ergot, theoretically, <laughs> according to these 1978 scholars, and that is one version of what could have happened, but took their ergot, and off they went. Interesting. Yeah. And then they helped Persephone come back to the, to the main her. world. Yeah, they greeted That's her. cool. Yep. I like it. It's neat. Savannah approves. <laughs> Our voices today were provided by Evangeline Olson, Maddie Wagner, Neil Sigman, Justin Gunter, and Bree Litterall. Uh, we are going to take a little break, I think, and do a special Bree episode uh, here on the main channel and one on Patreon, and then we'll get back to more ancient mystery cults with the Gnostics here on Occult Confessions. Goodbye. <laughs>